the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, August the 26th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on August 26, 1968, the Democratic Convention opened in Chicago. It was a four-day event, as they usually are. But it resulted in the nomination of Hubert H. Humphrey for president, but it was also marked by a bloody police crackdown. There were a bunch of anti-war protesters out in the streets. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Some things haven't changed since 1968. Some things haven't changed since 55 B.C. Today in 55 B.C., the Roman forces under Julius Caesar, they invaded Britain. History says it was only a limited success. Today, in 1920, the 19th Amendment to the United States Constitution was guaranteeing uh, American women's the right to vote. It was certified. Today, in 1944, French General Charles de Gaulle, he braved the threat of German snipers. They said there would be snipers trying to kill him if he marched in the parade, but he said he was going to do it anyway. He marched in the Victory Parade in Paris. As you may know, I mentioned the other day, Paris and France had just been liberated by the Allies, none the least of which was the United States of America. They were liberated from the Nazi occupation. Also today in 1429, Joan of Arc, she had her own parade in Paris, a triumphant parade. 1429, Joan of Arc. Today, in 1957, the Soviet Union announced it had successfully tested an intercontinental ballistic missile. And today, in 1957, Ford, Ford Motor Company, introduced its newest luxury car. For you guys over 40, I'll bet you can guess what it was. Today, 1957, Ford Motor Company, its newest luxury car. Yep, it was the Etzel. I actually drove an Etzel once. I remember I was uh, young in those days, especially in 57 when, it, when they came out. But I was very aware of cars, and I, I, I liked them a lot. Couldn't afford much, but I really liked cars. And the Etzel was really kind of interesting to me. I, I thought it was ugly from the get-go, but I thought I might be the only one that thought it was ugly, so I didn't say much to my friends. But I found out a lot of other people felt the same way about it. I guess it was a good car. But anyway, I, a couple of years later, I had a friend whose father had bought one in uh, Yakima, and I drove it. And I remember it kind of felt like driving a great big boat on kind of wavy water. That's my memory of the Etzel. I know they didn't stay around too long, and Ford didn't make them too long, but uh, they created kind of a life of their own, and there a lot of collectors have them. And I think there's a museum, an Etzel museum somewhere something. Anyway, that whole thing started today in 1957. Today in 1958, Alaskans went to the polls. They overwhelmingly voted in favor of statehood. Why shouldn't they have? That was the right move, the right thing to do. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 25, the New King James Version says, And David built there an altar to the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers of the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. I said New King James. I said King James. That was New King James Version. So the Lord heeded the prayers of the land, and the plague was removed from Israel. Franklin Graham has chosen that verse as kind of the verse, the leading verse for his prayer march in Washington, D.C. It's coming up on September 26th. He's encouraging people all across America to converge on Washington, D.C. on September 26th and march about a little over a mile through the, um, through the compound there, through the area of our capital and pray. It's not going to be about speeches, he says. It's not going to be about introducing personalities. He's all into that, That's but that's for another time. He'll probably speak. I would imagine he would. I hope he does. But it's just about prayer. They're expecting tens of thousands of people to show up, and I believe they will. He's encouraging everyone who can to come to Washington, D.C. And I know the West Coast and the Northwest is a long ways from Washington, D.C., but if you can't go, at least be aware and be in tune prayerfully on September 26th. We'll be mentioning this again, but it's an interesting verse that he chose. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. God hears the prayers of his people. He hears your prayers. Whether they're about this land or if they're about some of the crisis, the needs, the challenges that you have in your own personal life. There is a God who created all of the universe who hears your personal prayers and he answers prayer. That's what this is about. That's what the Christian life is about. I strongly encourage you to accept Jesus Christ into your heart if you have not done so. Even if you've sat on a church pew most of your life, maybe from childhood, you consider yourself a Christian, but Honestly, when you think about it, you don't know if you've ever accepted Jesus Christ into your heart personally, asking him to forgive you of your sins. If not, please do so. The Bible is very clear that that is the only way to God. Being involved in the church, being a member, doing all of the works of Christianity, it's not enough. You've got to know Jesus Christ personally. That is the only way to have that personal relationship with Almighty God. Consider it. Well, the uh, the left kind of lost their mind last night over the Republican convention, the viral convention as it is. Boy, that's been well produced. I was thinking about that. I mentioned it yesterday. I was watching it. The content of it is tremendous. It's a stark contrast between what we saw last week. The um, the Democrats, they were talking about light and dark, and they were suggesting that they were the light and everybody else was the darkness, but really it was they had flip-flopped it. It's the other way around. 
and you don't you you don't need to have an IQ of 300 to figure that out. Even I could see it. They they were talking about light, and they were groveling in the darkness. Everything they said was dark and heavy and depressing. And now they're angry. They're really angry this morning over at least one event, probably the whole thing, but at least one event of the Republican convention last night on television. I'll tell you about it just in passing, but I thought the convention was upbeat. It's it's uh, it's so contrasting to the dark, heavy, uh, depressing message of last week. Honestly, it, it is. I, I know I'm, I'm not a Democrat. I, I get that, but... Boy, I'll tell you, I think the Democrats did America a favor by actually focusing on the contrasting difference between light and darkness. And whoever had that idea, I understand they were trying to use it to their political advantage, but I think it has worked against them. But I think they did the Republicans, the conservatives, the Christians in America a favor because it caused people to stop and think, yeah, this is light, that's dark. And it really did put Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on the side of darkness. When you think about it, honestly, I mean, if you're so far, so deep into progressivism and anti-God, a godless theology or, or that they seem to promote every time they get on the subject, I mean, I suppose you don't recognize that. But to us ordinary people out here, we see the difference. There is a difference between light and dark. And we're seeing that this week, not as intended by the Democrats, but it is being seen. Melania Trump gave a terrific speech last night. Last night, I, I thought whoever wrote her speech put too much in it. I mean, she, I think she tried to cover too much material, but it was well done and well received. Even CNN, CNN said this morning, believe it or not, they were saying this morning that they thought one of the guys on there, they, he said he, he thought it was a pretty good speech. He said she gave a, in fact, he said it was a very good speech. Pompeo, Secretary of State, he gave a speech from Jerusalem. The Democrats are angry about that this morning. They're just beside themselves. They say they can't do it. Susan Rice, who wanted to be Joe Biden's pick for vice president, she worked for as a security advisor to Barack Obama, very close to Biden, apparently. He's has said she is. She has not said she was, but he says she was. But she was in the running there at the, at the end for the vice president pick by Biden. She's angry. In fact, she lost control. She was swearing. I'm not going to even try to quote her. She said that you can't do that. That Mike Pompeo, this is illegal for him to make a statement, a political statement from another country, from Jerusalem, on a satellite during the Republican convention. Pompeo is not 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 a unwise person. He's smart as a whip. First in his class, college, smart. His response, he said, well, just a moment. He said, I'm not speaking on behalf of the United States government. He said, I just happen to be here doing my job, and I'm speaking on my own personal behalf. <laughs> they felt one-upped, but... Rice kind of calmed down after that was said, but she was just going off on the Internet. A lot of other people were, too, but she was significantly so. But if there was one moment in the program last night or the convention 
The Republican convention had sent liberals and progressives over the edge. It was during President Trump's appearance with the acting Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, he, I think he's nominated him now as the permanent person for that job. He's doing a great job. But when Chad Wolf oversaw a naturalization ceremony at the White House to highlight legal immigration to the United States, Wolf gave the oath of allegiance to five individuals from Ghana, India, Sudan, Lebanon, and Bolivia as the president stood by and watched. Then the president said, you follow, he stepped to the podium and he said, welcome to America. He said, you followed the rules, you obeyed the laws, you learned our history, embraced our values, and proved yourself to be men and women of highest integrity. Trump said, you've earned the, the most prized, treasured, cherished, and priceless possession anywhere in the world. It's called American citizenship. There's no, no higher honor and no greater privilege, and it's an honor for me to be your president. Well, I turned to Marjorie, my wife, and I said, man, that was brilliant. It was a real, I mean, it was a real event. It wasn't staged. I mean, they really were becoming citizens as we watched live on television. It was actually recorded, but it was during the live presentation of the convention last night. It was incredibly powerful. Well, Claire McCaskill and some of the leaders in Congress that are way out there on the left, they say they're not, but they are. She just went off on Twitter, and she was using words I've never heard her use before, but, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time around her personally at all, none. But I've been aware of her because she's has had some influence in the past. She said the most, I can't even say some of the words she said, but she said essentially the most anti-immigrant president in history staging a naturalization ceremony in the White House with military in uniform for a political convention is infuriating. And that was after a whole bunch of four and five and six letter words that we're not going to say. Others were too, chiming in, people, a lot of media people, journalists were just blazing and blasting the president and everybody connected with him. How could they do this? Jim Acosta with CNN, he's a guy that always challenges the president and the, or the press secretary in those uh, press meetings. Jim Acosta said a naturalization ceremony, a pardon, and a secretary of speech, that was the one from Jerusalem, all, all at a political convention. Trump is putting the government to work for his reelection. Somebody else said, some, uh, one of the journalists said, if Obama had done this, something like this, the, the Republicans would have stormed the White House gates with, with torches. No, we don't storm buildings with torches. It's the other side who's doing that, the far-left progressives. And I'm going to talk about that a little more today in a broader context. But it was interesting that there were also some conservatives that chimed in as well. Dinesh D'Souza, very conservative, he said, think how... Think how they are freaking out over this naturalization ceremony at CNN, MSNBC, and news outlets around the country. He said this does not, emphasized, fit the narrative that Trump is a white nationalist who hates immigrants, especially non-white immigrants. Dinesh D'Souza, of course, his family came from India. He's a brilliant man and, and a devout, he's a Christian and he's a devout conservative. As to the criticism that they started making late last night, they said the White House actually broke the law, the RNC. 
they violated the Hatch Act. And um, Rebecca Bauhaus and some were, uh, were saw that those words. She's a journalist from the Wall Street Journal. So she tweeted, and it's true, it's been fact-checked this morning. The White House official, she said this, uh, Wall Street Journal reporter, she said, White House official says the naturalization ceremony in the convention program tonight didn't violate the Hatch Act because, and this is important, the White House quote, publicized the content of the event on a public website this afternoon, and the campaign decided to use the publicly available content for campaign purposes, which is not a violation of the Hatch Act. Bottom line, Trump is smarter than they are. Thank God. Very interesting, very very meaningful, very touching. It just incredibly incredibly inspiring to know that there are still people out there and we watched the people who gave the speeches a lot of rising black outstanding young men and women that kid remember that kid that that drummer guy that indian was in his face and he had been he and he's a catholic kid he goes to a catholic school somewhere in the midwest i can't remember where he lives but anyway remember the right to life uh, the last right to life march in washington dc and these kids were waiting for their bus, and this kid had bought a Make America Great Again cap there on his little trip to Washington, D.C., and he's a high school kid, and he had it, was wearing his hat, and this guy got right in his face, this old Indian guy, and um, was beating this drum and doing some kind of a mantra. I, I can't remember what it was even. didn't make much sense. But anyway, this kid was just standing there with kind of a silly grin on his face with his hands behind him, and the news got a hold of that, and they immediately, you know, were all of the big newspapers, the Post and the New York Times and all of them, were talking about this kid with his MAGA hat on, Trump's hat, was was trying to harass this man who was peacefully protesting. And they made, they just vilified this kid. Well, as it turned out, as you may recall, I talked about it on this program at the time, as you may remember, when you when they looked, finally somebody started to say, well, well, let's let's look at more video. And when they looked at video, the kid was standing there with his friends waiting for their bus to pick him up, standing at the curb on the sidewalk. And this guy walked up to this kid and got right in his face and started harassing him. It was so obvious, even the far left, even the guy himself couldn't deny it. In fact, it became public that this guy was a professional. He goes around doing this everywhere. That's what he does. I don't know who pays him. Maybe he's rich. I don't know. But anyway, all this came out. So the kid and his family turned around and sued several newspapers, including the Washington Post. They recently won the case. The kid was awarded, I think, two or $300,000. And they've got about four or five other lawsuits pending. And he says, I'm not going to be silenced. So he gave a speech last night. You may have seen it. It was, it was just terrific. I love kids. It was just terrific. He wasn't angry. He just said, I'm not going to be silenced. I'm going to do what I'm going to in America. So this was the tone of it. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you missed it. <clears throat> and so I'm sure that that tone will continue tonight and tomorrow night as they conclude their viral convention. One of the speakers last night was a black Democrat. He said, my party is infected with a pandemic of intolerance. Vernon Jones, he's a Democrat, Georgia State representative. He spoke at the convention on Monday, not last night. 
He said, as a black Democrat legislator, he said, I'll be voting for Trump. He's talked about the fact that he got an enormous amount of pushback. He was threatened. He was also told they may remove him from the Democrat Party in Georgia. I don't want to talk about that too much today. I mean, that's expected. He expected it. But he said he's voting for Trump anyway, and he gave his speech at the convention on Monday night. But I remembered something from what he said. I remembered uh, it was a documentary that Eric Johnson with Como TV in Seattle made last year, 2019. And he warned the city of Seattle that the consequences of far-left progressive leadership was going to call cause Seattle to die as a city. In fact, in fact, the documentary is titled Seattle is Dying. This is not a Christian organization, not a conservative organization. Those of you listening in Seattle know Como TV. Eric Johnson has been there a long time. He's been in the Northwest even longer. I want to talk to you a little bit about that documentary and about what other people have been saying and how we're seeing come to pass what was predicted some time ago. <clears throat> Jones praised Trump, the black Democrat from Georgia. He praised, praised uh, Trump for building the most inclusive economy ever with record low unemployment for African Americans. He said the president also built the most inclusive economy ever with record low unemployment for African Americans a record high participation in the workforce. He put opportunity zones in the Trump tax bill that would drive investment into our communities for decades to come. He said he put the interests of American workers and especially black workers first. That's right, he said, Donald Trump did that. He delivered historic criminal justice reform. He ended once and for all the policy of incarceration of black people above others based on race, he was talking about. He says, which has decimated our communities. He continued noting how Trump has made black communities safer by supporting law enforcement. He's not the only one that's saying this, by the way. There are a lot of them saying this. We'll see in November. But he said, President Trump gave us the opportunity to rise. And in conclusion, he said, the Democrat Party has failed, has become infected with the pandemic of intolerance, bigotry, socialism, anti-law enforcement, bias, and dangerous tolerance for people who attack others, destroy their property, and terrorize our own communities. He said, I recommend everybody vote for Donald J. Trump. Now back to the back to the documentary. Last year, it's important to keep these dates in mind. Seattle is dying. Robert W. Mary is a well-known guy around Washington, D.C. and New York. He's a publishing figure. He's an author, but he lives on Whidbey Island. Mary wrote an article for the American Conservative back on February 6 of 2020. That's about six months ago. It's a long article, but I want to just touch on a couple of things he said. His article clearly lays out how the city of Seattle has been co-opted by the far left. In conclusion of this longer article, he references a rush hour gunfight that had recently taken place on a street corner. I think it was Pine and something. It was downtown Seattle. He used that as an example of a deterioration of the city's culture and safety since the far left had taken over the city's governance. 
He reminded his readers that the far left has tied the hands of the police, I'm quoting him, and he quoted a number of citizens who are saying, I'm fed up, I'm moving out of Seattle. This was in February of 2020, this year, about six, seven months ago, okay? Mary also notes the documentary by Como TV, Eric Johnson. Mary said in his searing documentary of this last year, meaning 2019, Seattle is dying. Como TV's Eric Johnson painted a dire picture by citing police officers who say the city's lax enforcement regimen has tied their hands, <coughs> excuse me, tied their hands, quoting citizens saying they're fed up with the growing theft, showing frustration, business owners whose livelihoods are threatened, and so on. Writing on Como's website, Johnson said of his own documentary that it was about citizens who don't feel safe taking their families into downtown Seattle, about parents who won't take their children into public parks they pay for. It's about filth and degradation all around us. This is Eric Johnson saying why he made this documentary just last year. He said we don't, and the, a lot of the people don't feel like their voices are being heard. Johnson's documentary was first aired in March of last year, 2019, seven months before the Seattle City Council elections. It touched a nerve. A lot of people got angry at him. I mean, they were really going after him. Some people were trying to get him fired from Como. Some people were hailing and thanking him, saying, yeah, somebody had to say that, and you're the right guy to say it. Seattle may or may not be dying, he wrote at that time. Eric, but it, it, it is in far more ominous state of civic health than most of its citizens realize. And this isn't just about Seattle. Now, put that in perspective. <clears throat> we are now six months beyond that conversation and about a year and five months beyond Eric Johnson's documentary, Seattle is Dying. And look where we are today. Seattle, Portland, Kenosha. Last night, Kenosha, it's about 30 miles out of Milwaukee. Two were killed with a gun. One was injured. They're burning. They're looting. It looks like Beirut used to look. It looks like Portland, Seattle. Kenosha, Wisconsin, New York, Baltimore. City after city after city that's run by the left is falling to these radical, radical leftists. And these people, whether it's Jenny Durkin or whomever, are standing by watching. Yes, they get upset and they pound the desk when the people come to their house. But otherwise, they're calling it a mostly peaceful protest. And they're saying First Amendment rights. This is craziness and it will destroy our country if it's not reined in. President Trump yesterday offered federal assistance to the governor of Wisconsin because Kenosha is burning to the ground. And he told him to stay out of town. He said, we don't need your help. That's where we are today. And that's why the politics of what we're doing today is very, very important. Leadership matters. And this election matters. I'm just about out of time, but I want to thank you for your support of what we're doing here. We try to get to the bottom light. We try to turn on the light a little bit every day and tell you what's happening. Thank you so much for your support. It, we wouldn't be here without it. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009, or you can go to faithandfreedom.us and donate online. Thank you.
so much for your support. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow, and we'll talk about what happens overnight. Thanks for being here. See you tomorrow.